This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Three minutes past 12 o'clock on the 9th of August and it is Women's Day. Happy, happy, happy day to all the incredible women out there. Um, wow, overcast, a little bit windy and a little bit chilly, but it is fabulous to be here on a public holiday only because really we are celebrating a very special day. And when I woke up and everyone was sending WhatsApps and um, wishes and happy Women's Day, and it just got me thinking, what is this Women's Day? What is it What is it all about? What, what are we trying to really celebrate and who are we trying to honor? So we're going to be talking a little bit about that because I have the most dynamic, fantastic, powerful woman in the studio today who really does epitomize everything that a woman is, the creator, the nurturer, the giver, the healer, the connector, um, and she embodies all of that, and I think that you're going to be very inspired by her today. So, this is the DL Link Show. This is the show that where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination here on 101.9 High FM. Um, as I said, my guest, Veronica Devine, I hope that's pronounced correctly. Correct. What a divine surname. Veronica, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Lovely to have you on the show. Great to be with you. So divine really is a divine surname. Well, it's Irish. You must have loved it. Is it Irish? It's Irish. And my husband always said I married him for the surname. (laughs) Well, I would. (laughs) (laughs) It really, really is. I'm sure it's a great icebreaker, a great way to start any conversation. It it usually is. Lots Mm. of puns. Mm, Fantastic. So Veronica is an award-winning South African businesswoman. Um, and entrepreneur. She is the co-founder and chief innovation officer at SkinSense. And remember Justine products all those years ago? Um, and then they amalgamated, they joined up with Avon or Veronica will tell us all about it. But this lady who is with us today is the brainchild, the creator, the innovator of Justine. And um, so Veronica, it's wonderful to have you here on many levels. As I said, because it's Women's Day and I really do think that you epitomize all that is um, a woman to be a woman and um, also you have such an incredible story to share um, with our audience this being the DL Link show um, because you you lost your husband last year after a a seven year battle with cancer with cancer what, what cancer did he have? He had the cancer of the esophagus and they said there wasn't any chance that he would make it however He went and uh, was very determined, uh, very resilient, and he said he's going to do everything he needs to stay alive. (laughs) He did not want to leave me alone. And so uh, we had the most wonderful doctors at the Donald Gordon, and they debated for days um, whether they could risk an operation with him. Mm -hmm. And... Fortunately, they had managed to shrink the tumor to some extent. What, from uh, from chemo? Uh, from both radium. And chemo. And okay. chemo. Right. And um, he begged them to give him a chance. And they said he had a 5% chance of living. Well, he made it. He, he went against all the records. And um, the oncologist, who's an eminent professor, said it, the longest living patient with esophagus cancer that he's ever treated. So that's incredible. Yeah, it was a lot of, he was great. Wow. Wow. When he was first diagnosed, what was, what was that like being told that he had this cancer and he didn't have very long? Well, it was such a shock. We were on holiday in Mauritius mm-hmm. and I noticed that he was only eating soft things. He was having scrambled eggs and ice cream and he wasn't a great eater anyway, yeah. but it was just too much liquid and things that he loved, like a good steak or whatever, he wasn't ordering. So when we got back, I said to him, you know, I've noticed that you, you're not, you're not 100%. I think you should go to a doctor. Well, like most men, he didn't want to go near doctors, but he went to a very bright doctor who said, did some tests and said, I haven't got good news for you. I think you've got cancer. Sure. 
he never spoke to this doctor again. The poor doctor, all he did was his job. Mm. He was he not the news he wanted. No, he, he was uh, absolutely furious that I was allowed to be in this room, which was supposed to be private, etc. Et oh, to hear so, the really to hear mm. the news. Mm. But then I said, okay, so what do we do? We got to get the best, and that's how we set about it. But major shock. Sure. And seven years. Tell us about those seven years. So obviously the beginning was very difficult with the radium therapy and the chemotherapy. Oh, and I the, mean that must have been horrific. The in and out of hospital. Firstly, mm. he'd been hospitalised, I think at least for four months before he came home. He was so weak, you know, Lee. That when he got home, he said to me, "Is this my bed?" Um, am I allowed to use these clothes? He was a completely different person. The, the, it, that must have been awful. It was awful. He he. Was, Why was he so confused, Veronica? I think he was so weak. I think really he was in and out him. of trauma. Or, and they told us, they said it would take months. I wouldn't let him drive the car because he had no sense of direction. Mm-hmm. He didn't know where we were going. But miraculously, he regained all of that. He was driving again. He had some quality of life, not great. Mm -hmm. And then things deteriorated, you know, um, after about... And, of course, in and out of hospital, more surgery, more this. In those seven years. Oh, yes. So it was a, it was, it was a battle. It was, it was a battle. A, it was an oh, ongoing battle, constant, the seven years. Constant battle. Mm. And eventually, I think the cancer had cleared, but the body gave in, you know, all the organs gave in. Mm. We're going to take a break. Um, I want to continue with the story, Veronica. So please do stay with us on 101.9 High FM. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Thank you so much for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. My name is Nikki Seberini and really very happy to be with you on this Women's Day, the 9th of August with a phenomenal woman as our guest today, Veronica Devine, who is sharing her story. You know, she's achieved so much. She's giving back so much to women here in South Africa and she's had many of her own battles to fight along the Way and Veronica, we were talking about your husband. We were talking about those seven years, um, how hard he fought, but how difficult the seven years were in and out of hospital. You know, having and so so. How did that? How did that change the two of you? How did that change your relationship? If if it changed at all? Well, it did. I um, was at the at that time uh, working for a non-profit uh, international women's forum. And uh, mostly concentrating on putting young women leaders into second degrees, third degrees, polishing them up, getting them to rise to the top. Right. So I was working odd hours, not like full time. And what I did find was that I wasn't traveling. It changed my life completely. Mm. Now, I'd been the person who was exporting to 40 countries, traveling all over the world, six, seven, eight times a year, and suddenly I was homebound. So, yes, it changed a dynamic a lot. On the other hand, I said to a very good friend of mine, before he was diagnosed with a severe cancer, he was quite a heavy drinker. Right. And uh, when the doctors opened him up, they said, oh, this man liked alcohol. I said, yes, he did. Indeed, he did. He stopped drinking. He never touched alcohol again for the rest wow. of his life. And that's a big thing. Huge. So, I mean, a person changes when they don't drink. You hugely. Know? So right. here I met the man 35 years later that I married without all the baggage and the alcohol and everything mm. else. He was back to being... The very person I fell in love with. So it's very interesting. I mean, isn't that incredible, Veronica? You you have to. I mean, if you don't grow from suffering, then it's pointless. Why do we suffer? I mean, Mm. there's no point to Mm. any of this. Mm. So yes, it did change. It changed a lot of things. So you had seven very precious years. Very precious. Back with the man that you first fell in love That's with. That's correct. Mm, mm. And and during the suffering, because you say if you don't learn from the suffering, yes. what is the point? Going through that suffering, it's yes. the going, it's the, it's the having the courage to go through it, not yes. resist it. 
while you were going through it, were you aware, or is this something that you've really been able to look back on since he has passed away? No, I was aware. You were. I think maybe one of my attributes, if it is, is that I've always lived with meaning. I have to have and be involved with things that have meaning. Mm. So I had moved away from the superficial. I mean, we all, when we're young, we want pretty things and race cars and whatever. Mm. And then you get to a stage and you look at this and you say, well, what has this really done for me? You're not giving me anything really other than a kick, Mm -hmm. a five-second kick. five-second kick, that's it. five-second rush. Mm. So my whole pursuit, I think, has been um, to be with people, to be of value, to add meaning and to find what my purpose is. And that's why I very often I'm very fluid. Mm. I go where I think I should be and then see how it works out. So through this time, I realized that we'd been granted a gift mm. because he would have been gone on the operating theater. I mean, the operation lasted just over 10 hours. Wow. Now, sure. you can imagine. Sure. You know, sure. With a saint of a physician performing <laughs> this. I mean, an incredible man who even SMSed me to tell me how things were and was during, I okay during the operation. During the operation. Isn't I mean, it was just incredible people. And you get to respect and see how good people are mm. and how many there are, mm. you know. Mm. And when you're living in, the, you know, this rush of this big city and this world and this life, you can forget, you know, that the majority of people are just so wonderful. Yeah. And all they want is a little love and a little help. And who are we to deny it? Mm, sure. So just opening up to opening all of up. these wonderful realizations and connections. That's correct. And close to the time when he passed, yes. um, did his health deteriorate? Did you, did you talk about dying? No. He wasn't uh, a person who liked to speak about deep subjects mm. like that. He didn't want to. But I persuaded him to get hospice in the last three months. And the way I got him to do that, maybe four months, I said to him, I need the help. Okay. I need to know that I'm doing the right things, that there's not something else we should be doing to make, you know, your life easier. So if you don't want them, that's fine. You can be rude, but I need them. And so he said, oh, well, you know, all right, if you have to. And they were wonderful. So you didn't see hospices coming to prepare him for whatever. This was something for you. And I'm sure he benefited from having hospice. Of course. And they gave us, you know, tips and what he should, how he should be lying on the bed and all kinds of things that they know, you know, and a wonderful lady would pop in every week once or twice to check on us, have a little chat with me. Um, at first he was rude, and then he really grew very fond of her. Mm. He would phone her and um, ask her questions, and I thought that was a, wonderful. She, she was exceptional. They built a relationship. He and could they trust built her. A relationship. He trusted her, and mm. they built a relationship. Mm. And you coming to terms with it? You know, you've had you had the preparation. You had had yes. hospice. You, How was that when he passed? I think I I think. The day that he passed away, I was very, very calm Mm. because I had seen how much he'd suffered. And I think I even said um, to my nephew and his brother, who were first to arrive um, after Hatzolim, who, again, I can go on praising until forever. Yeah. um, It's time. Mm-hmm. If you saw how thin he was, mm-hmm. I mean, he was like bones, and he really tried, and it was enough. And mm-hmm. I think I knew it was going to come, but of course, the day that it happens, it's you're never ready for it. Mm-hmm. You're never ready for mm-hmm. it. And how have you been since? How's it finding life in a completely new way? Well, I've thrown myself into work again, okay. which has always <laughs> been my rescuer. Yes, yes. The busier I am, the oh. less time I have to feel sorry for sure, myself. Sure, absolutely. And another thing is, what I miss most is his mind. I miss not having somebody 
to challenge and to say, what do you think we should do? Should I sign this contract? And we invariably disagreed. But the fact that there was someone, someone there, there mm. with a brain who was honest, um, and that was really important. I, I missed that terribly. Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure, Veronica. Well, I mean, you and here you are so bravely sharing your story um, because, you know, I started off by saying that you are a woman who epitomizes so, so much. And you've, you've shared a little bit with us, bits here and there of, you know, NPOs and giving back and traveling all over. And I hinted that you started Justine right That's at the correct. beginning, right at the beginning. So I'm going to, we're going to take a break, but after the break, I want to start going back to Veronica when she was younger because you, you've said you live within a, this fluid way of living that you need to live with a purpose. You know, yes, when you were younger. So I want to know, we, we, how did that develop? What, what was your upbringing like? Let's take a quick break and, and we'll be right back with that. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. If you have just tuned in, good afternoon. My name is Nikki Seberini. This is 101.9 High FM, and this is the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. It is Women's Day. We are celebrating women, and how better to celebrate it than with a woman who has faced many, many challenges in her life that she's sharing with us. Um, but she's taken every opportunity that's come her way, and she's created so many opportunities for herself and for young women here in South Africa. Veronica Devine, so divine to have you on the show. I'm sure people have said that to you time and time again. I'm not original. Before the break, I said, you know, you have this this energy about you. You have this life force of moving forward and creating things. Were you born this way? Well, I'm not sure about that. I grew up in a tiny village and went to an Afrikaans school. Yes. And at the age of 12, my father, who was, I suppose you would call them in those days, the good old United Party, said, no, no, she's got to learn to speak English and she's got to learn, you know, to behave like a lady. And so I was shipped off to Parktown Convent. Yes. And I found that... that must, I mean, that's the two different worlds. Completely. I mean, wow. I used to go to school barefoot in the village, <laughs> speak Afrikaans. Yeah. And now suddenly I was thrown into this Johannesburg in those days, fairly posh school. And I found that I was forever looking after the little ones because there were kids there of five and six who were boarders, whose parents put them into boarding school. Sure, and, that's so young. And, I, and then at a quite early age, I was given the duty of running the tuck box. I was at you know, tuck shops. I was quite good at selling and collecting money mm-hmm. and what. I was always in the mix of things. Uh-huh. So that's really all I can tell you about uh, my early childhood. So independence. Yes. Helping other people. Yes. And being innovative, you know, yes. and, and using your brain and selling. That's a good foundation. I think that's so. That's a fantastic foundation. So when you started, when you founded Justine, was that in 1973? Correct. You needed 10,000 rand to do it. Correct. You went to bank after bank after bank. And I was And denied. they closed doors. Absolutely denied. Well, why did you have this passion for Justine, with this product? Where did that come from? Well, it came from working for a multinational. And I met the most interesting man who was a cosmetic chemist. In those days, you had, and it's gone back there these days, where you have contract fillers, mm-hmm. where today we manufacturing this company, tomorrow the next company, etc. So they didn't have their own production plants. Oh, okay. And he was a chemist in charge. Right. And I would ask him, why do you do this? Why are you adding this? Why this? Why that? So he said to me, you're the first marketing person who never stops asking me questions. So I said, well, I'm terribly interested. And so he started making me products to test if I could see the difference between A and B and fragrances and this and this. So we we struck up a relationship. When he made a product which became a legend in this country, tissue oil, I told him I want 50 of them. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to sell them to my friends. And that's how it started. That so was the tissue oil. There was tissue oil. Of course. And that's how it started. Right. And I said to him, let's start a company. And he said, you're mad. I'm married. I've got two children. 
you know, and he said, you young, dynamic and demented, you know, (laughs) how can I give up my, my job? But he did make the 50 and they sold in minutes. We, you know, we got minutes, days, you know, we got rid of them. And then I started to go and look for funding. And of course I was turned on, turned on, turned on. Eventually one manager whom I'd been back to five times, Gave me the money because he kept saying to me, but you've got no security. I said, why would I come to you if I had security? Mm. I mean, I don't have any assets. I'm 26 years old Mm. and I know that we are going. And my mission was, how did these international companies prescribe what South African people need? And what happens to everyday people? Okay, the people with money were shopping for the best. But what about everyday people? Are they looking after their skin? Is it suitable for the South African climate? Can we do it at less uh, cost? And these were the questions that were driving me. So, so let me ask you this. When you, because you're mixing these products, you think it's working. Let's open it. Let's offer the South African market something that's local, something they can afford, something that's effective. Did you have the big dream? So were you looking at Justine becoming uh, no. a competitor? No. I had a dream. What, I had where a did dream. you think? Yeah, what was your dream? That's my, what I want to know. My dream was, <clears throat> again, fluid, to see where this would go. How, where would it lead? Every month, every year, I doubled the target. You know, if we did a hundred thousand in year one, we had to do two hundred thousand year two. And the company grew. And then I realized that actually the cosmetics was my second interest. My real interest were the women, mm-hmm. were the people who were earning money, sending their kids to uh, university, putting in swimming pools. And empowering themselves, empowering themselves financially and on every level, really. And I had a lot of trouble. I mean, the men rejected and resisted this. I mean, in country areas like Clarkstorp or Potchefstroom, I mean, they would tell me they don't want their wives to leave home. It looks like they can't support them. What is this nonsense of them going to Sun City at a conference? I mean, I had a tremendous upheaval. But we formed... A clan. It became a living organization of people mm. from Natal Midlands to, you know, across the railway. Everybody who identified with this company and the feeling mixed. Mm. And it was, I would say till today, one of my most ex- incredible experiences was the ability to lead a group. And when I left of over 70,000 women, it was just the most incredible experience. Sure. Mm. So you didn't even realize what you were doing at the time, no. right at the beginning. No. You had a dream of doing something great, but yes. you were kind of fluid. You weren't really sure Not where sure it was where going. It go. And it just developed and developed no. and developed. No. And then it was acquired, wasn't it? Yes. Well, let me first tell you there were two turning points. The one was that my partner, that very man yes. who came in with The pharmacist. Me, he was the cosmetic brand's. He died within three years of the company's being set up. Sure. And his wife died from cancer within a year of his death. So, I mean, that was absolutely traumatic. I had to go all over the world to find cosmetic scientists. We didn't have any in this country. So, you know, I was always going to London and recruiting and bringing people back into the country to keep me going because what did I know about formulation and development? Sure, sure. Um, Another turning point is quite a humorous one. They, many years ago, they interviewed, who was then the big shot, the MD of Revlon. Mm. And I'm sure you won't mind me telling you the story. Oh, and they asked him the Financial Times or business. I've got it at home, the clipping. What do you think of a company like Justine? And he said, oh, they're a bunch of housewives. They'll never get anywhere. Oh. Well, that became <laughs> all we needed. You know, all all these women needed, I would say to them, you know, we're going to do a million next month. And they'd look at me, I'd say, bunch of housewives. <laughs> yeah, it's a driving force. Driving There's force. the driving so force. Eventually, I sold the company to Avon Cosmetics in 1995. Worked for five years, contract, and then exited. 
And I mean, there've been so many because uh, things since then. I mean, oh, you've been were. involved in in so much. But there, you were going off to New York. You had meetings. You had to prepare. I mean, so out of a comfort zone, yeah. as you say, awesome, from yeah. the 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 Macy Fundidorp, yes. like a net Afrikaans prat. And here you were in New York, rubbing Fifth shoulders, Avenue. Fifth yeah. Avenue, um, projecting sales forecasts, and holding your own. So the inner dialogue. And um, what was the inner dialogue? Was it, oh, I, I don't belong here? Was it, let me just fake it till I make it? Or did that not even cross your mind? I'm not sure. I mean, the first time that they approached me, I thought it was a joke. I literally thought when my PA put through this call that this is not real. But they were sincere and they gave me a number and said, I must please come to New York. And I thought, no, I can't be an idiot and get on an aeroplane and go to New York. So... I obviously didn't do that. Mm. And then they sent somebody to South Africa. And so at first I thought, you know. But then I realized they were coming in, and they come in with millions of dollars, you know. And uh, they were going... That's scary. Yeah, they they were scary. They they would never take my people. Yeah. But the market is only so big, and these guys buy themselves in, and they get to the top. And I thought, you know what, I don't have a... I've got no one to leave this business to. I don't really want to go on to the stock exchange. I've had some pretty rough experiences with partners, names I shall not mention. Mm, I'm sure. And uh, rebought my own company back after, you know, ex- some difficulties. And then I thought, you know what, they know this industry. They're the world leaders in direct selling. Mm. At least they'll be good to my company and my brand. Of course, I was naive mm. um, because it's all about shareholders and return on investment. Sure. What a learning curve. So those five years were very difficult I'm for sure. me. Very I'm difficult. sure. And you, you spoke about not having an heir, and this is also a tough loss. Oh. This is going back 20 years, yeah. you know, and yeah. that's a difficult one for that's you. That's very difficult. You, you yes. lost your son. I lost my only child. Your only child. He yeah. was 21 years 21 old. 21 years of age. I still find it difficult. Mm. And and at what I mean, what, what were you doing in terms of business and when with the loss, and, and how 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 did you overcome that? Well, um, I mean, probably losing your child, they say, is one of the most difficult things a parent can do. And I can't imagine anything worse. No, I can't either. And I sat home. I just didn't want to get up and go to work, and then. I kept having this vision of him thinking that I could do anything and everything. He always used to say, oh, my mother can fix it. You know, she can do anything. I thought, no, I can't sit here and let everybody else down. So I went back to work. And when I got there, I must have been off for about two or three months. It wasn't like days. Mm. When I got there, people in the factory came and said, Ma, you must come and see what has happened? I thought, my God, what has happened? So I go downstairs and I see stock piled to the ceiling. Mm. And I thought, what is going on here? <clears throat> Only to find out <clears throat> that the production man in charge at that stage had made an error in ordering and had ordered ten times the amount of goods that oi, we needed. Oi, oi. So did I, you came w- back I woke up with a bank, mm. back on my it sucked knees, you back, in. back to the banks, back <laughs> showing them at Christmas time everything mm. they owned because mm. they owned my house, they owned everything, yeah. you know. You had no choice. You had, you, had no to, you had to get up and you had to operate. And you had operate. to get out of that again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And as you've said, I mean, 20 years later, it's still something. Oh, yeah, it's very it's still, it's yeah, still It's still with you. Dear. It's still with you. We, just before we came in, you said that Freud said that there are three things in life. Yes. He says, um, Freud, the famous psychologist, said you have to have someone to love. Mm. You have to have something to do. And you have to have something to look forward Forward to. to. Mm. And I think those three things are so true. Yeah, and that's what drives you. And that drives me. And that's what drives you. What a fascinating story, Veronica, really. And there's so much more. I mean, we we could chat here for hours. Um, But I'm going to... 
introduce our next guest and we'll continue with our dialogue as well um, because I know that our audience is loving this conversation as much as I am. Um, our, our DL Link Angel is Eitan Fine um, and um, it is Eitan, isn't it, Eitan? Yes, yes, oh, welcome, welcome, Eitan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for coming out on Women's Day. It's very uh, brave of you to face, you know, coming on Women's Day to be in a studio with this powerful woman energy. How sure. you? How no, you coping? Unreal, but there was no one in the building to let me in, so I don't know if that's a. <laughs> that was the first time. Indication of what women do. <laughs> They're all busy working out <laughs> with their husbands uh, and kids. <laughs> Eitan, thank Just you kidding. for joining us. You're uh, you know, being the the, the the angel, the deal link angel. All the warriors are not easy because yeah. it comes with a, an, a heavy story and it, it comes with lots of challenges. Correct. Yes. And you, I mean, I, I read your story written by your wife. Correct. Um, but you've had many losses and you've had many challenges and, and, and maybe you can just share with us because of how you, how the DL Link has helped you along the way. Right. I'm happy to do that. Um, so my mother actually was diagnosed with uh, CLL, chronic lymphatic leukemia, about uh, 18 years ago, uh, which was dormant for a while. Um, but she started her chemotherapy Twelve years ago, mm-hmm. so there was a whole run with that, and uh, Deer Link wasn't around at that point. <coughs> so she she was a fighter. She was really uh, an amazing woman um, in terms of what she did, and even the week before she died, she was still teaching. Um, she was, was yeah, she was a Hebrew incredible. teacher. Uh, she loved people. She loved laugh. She she just wanted to give all the time. Uh, she had a very strong immuna as well. Like um, her biggest fear was dying, and um, we kind of. When when did you become aware that there was a huge fear of hers? Um, did so she always she, express it? Or? Yeah, well, she was very she was very anxious, and every time she would hear someone that's sick or not well, she would like go make sure her tests are okay and see what's happening with her and her levels and all that kind of stuff. So right. she she always she would never say it out loud, but right. um, I, I stuck with her f- throughout the, all the years. Um, we did make Aliyan come back, and I always said to her, "The phone call away," but um, we came back. Uh, for other reasons, but mainly for for them, for my parents, um, to come back and support them. She she was still doing well. Gee, that's, that's incredible that you did that because to make Aliyah is such a big move. Correct on yes. every level, and to come back for your parents is so much, Aitan. Yes, really. yeah. It's a, it's, in fact, you know, when when we do big things like that, we do ask rabbis, um, like we call shalas, like questions whether one should make such a big step. And one of the big questions someone actually said to me, you know, you need to ask a shala a question. Whether you're allowed to go to, to Israel and make Aliyah, I said, why should there be a question? He said, because you have the mitzvah of Kibbutz of looking after your parents. And if you make Aliyah, your the mother's... The mitzvah is in the gift. Well, the looking, yeah, the gift. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just I'm emphasizing, not yeah. responsibility. He's talking about a mitzvah. Correct. And it being a gift to look after your parents. Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. the, well, actually more than a, a gift, a duty. Okay. You know, it's, um, where, even if you're married uh, with kids, until the, the day, even after their passing, you have the, the mitzvah of Kibbutzim. So we, we asked um, a rabbi, Rabbi Zeltzer, and he, and he said to me, like he said to me, do, do you have any, does she have any friends or support here? I said, yes, she does. She has a few good friends who help her a lot. She said, on that basis, then you can go. But if she didn't have any support, then then she wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to go in terms of, you know, asking a rabbi and what we we choose as a family to decide whether to ask a rabbi or not. You know, like we can do it, then that what we want. But we, as from Jews, we decide that's where we want to run things. Okay. And and asking that question. So, she, again, Tia Link wasn't around at those those stages, um, which was a pity in some ways because I, I'll get into the fact of how much they've helped. But uh, so we met earlier, and this time my mother still when people saw her, she looked she dressed very well, and she looked very well. Um, although inside she had this, this, this disease. Um, her brother died of the same thing, but apparently, according to the professors, uh, it's not hereditary and it's, it's, it's very low chance of, two, of siblings having it. So he also died. Sure. He died before, actually, like 10 years before. So another thing for him, having the same disease and, and he, him dying, so it made him much more anxious, obviously, during. I can you imagine? Yeah. So that's, uh, mm. We, we had a lot of difficulties, um, getting her platelets and, and that's another complete discussion for another time. Um, it was. Veronica's nodding. It's oh, this, yes. uh, yeah. it's this continual doing, phoning, fetching, taking, yes. looking, 
this, it's, it's, it, and, and that affects everyone. So that's not just the patient. It's affecting the family. Of course. It's affecting I mean, your life year, is about that. Well, last year, September, I remember clearly, um, she needed platelets. The doctor said she needed platelets and, uh, the hospital said there's no platelets. So I said, what do you mean there's no platelets? So I phoned up the oncology and I said, well, we have a Heinz ties. If there's no platelets, it's not, not up to them. You know, it's, it's all governmental. All blood's done through blood banks and it's, it's all governmental. Right. So, I made some inquiries and phone calls, and I'm happy for for someone to phone me after if they need this kind of information and maybe um, data on, on how I actually managed to get through kind of back door legally um, platelets for my mother, because um, I would phone the clinics that made the platelets, and there was a lady um, in in Alberton that actually did us a massive favour because it goes into a pool, and then once it goes into the pool, then it's whoever's on the list. So I managed to get intercept that and get my mother's name on the list before it will get to the the blood bank. Yeah, we're going to take a break. Okay. Etan. I, I just want to quickly just add that we've had on this show before talking about donating of blood, the platelets, the okay. marrow, all of that. And um, we've had rabbis who've come on and have spoken about it, it, it actually being a responsibility if you can save other people's lives right. to do something like that. And I'm very, very passionate about it. And I will push it over and over and over and over again. It is our duty as human beings to be going, donating blood, doing that so that you don't have to be contacting someone looking for platelets for, for a person correct, who needs correct, platelets. Correct. It's it just we, sh- we should not, we mm. actually shouldn't be. Asked, I'm, I'm afraid we should just be donating. And on that note, that very controversial note, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. This is Life Links with a DL link. Thank you very much for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Nikki Seberini here. We're having a really interesting show. Um, Veronica Devine is still in the studio with us. Um, Eitan Fine is our DL Link angel. And just Eitan's talking about his mom um, yeah. and um, this this journey. And, and as you said, last year running around looking for platelets and looking for blood. And just before the break, I was saying that it's absolutely crazy. Mm. That we have, um, that there's not enough. Correct. Um, see that I actually, when I contacted the lady at the clinic, she said to me, after this, I can come a professor in bloods because I knew so much about it because platelets are very different to actual bloods. Mm. It looks different. Um, they behave differently. In fact, it only has a seven day shelf life. Um, so th- that's why they're actually, um, less of it because y- you can't really store it for that long and it has to be agitated all the time. It has to be moving all the time. So it's, and also you have to be legible for it, which was another big thing. So you need to go for testing and make sure that you're able to give those platelets and that you're okay. It takes two days for that. And then they tell you to come back. And then once you've done that, it only has seven days. So that's why she, the lady in Alberton, her name was Tracy, um, she's, she's looking for people. You know, she said she needs more people on her database. But it's just like donating blood, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. So they, it's exactly. So what they do, they have special machines which cost you know, a lot of money again is governmental, um, which just splits the blood, the platelets are away from the blood, and actually, um, you put the pumps the blood back into your system. Right. But the platelets they come out, so you they make you feel very comfortable there, and, and you on the chair and so forth. It's the same process. Um, so I was looking for people to go, actually, and, and give platelets. Um, so my wife went to check to see if she was legible or she was was. At that point, they got some more came in. There was another breaking communication that um, my mother was an outpatient from Linksfield, so which means that you don't have to be in hospital to receive the platelets. So she needed the platelets, and they said, "Okay, come." But now then she would wait, or the platelets would sit there for too long because they didn't have an agitation. And they can't machine. sit there for too long. They can't. They, they has to be moved. Even the, the lady told me when they're driving, they got agitated. Okay. So I, I did um, one step further. I actually went to Joburg Jen and fetched the platelets. Um, in, a, in a box, which I wasn't, I didn't know that I wasn't meant to. They said, come, fine. Um, a coke and sure. can get you anything in this country. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but what I'm saying that, that was all, <laughs> I mean, it was all legal. The, the, the biggest concern they have is obviously contamination there, but I gave it to the box. I signed it off. I was acting in the drive and I'd literally come in the car to my mother with, with, with the platelets and I would get everything ready and I'd make sure the nurses or I would shake the platelets until it gets into a system. Sure, a ton. So it was, that, that was for quite a few months, that was the process. And we, and we changed some, um, how can I say, the structural protocol in the, in the clinics 
in blood bank and in Linksville Clinic. We had some uh, communication with them because they didn't have a machine. Uh, even until today, I'm not sure they still got it, but it was in the pipeline to buy one mm. because we come to the to Linksville Clinic and literally sit there like blood, but it's not supposed to do that. So on a few occasions, it actually went bad. And we're talking about 10,000 rand a bag sure. for platelets. Sure. Um, two occasions went bad and, and we had other problems that, you know, inducing it into her, um, very challenging. Very challenging. Very, very challenging. Very cha- so where does the deal link fit in? Okay. So that, so my mother, I asked my mother if she wants to come part of deal link. And I think at this point, um, I think it was just more traumatic for her to, even when I mentioned hospice, you know, we actually didn't want to mention hospice because actually I want to talk about that as well because it's very important because hospice is not a place only Yeah, we've done shows on that. Yeah. Absolutely. So they say it's not a place when, you, when you're dying. No. You know, it's a, they, have, they were actually incredible mm. together with Dear Link. Uh, Rachel Carr was, you know, she works for both, volunteers for both. And she was very instrumental with my mother. And, and then we found out not that long ago that my sister-in-law was diagnosed with, with cancer, with a very rare uh, case. But this is in England. My wife's from, Eng- from England. So how it came about was that we didn't know how sick she was. You know, people obviously, they don't always like to tell you how bad it really is because they think they're doing you a favor, but they're not really because we want to make sure that we're there for them when we need, when they need us. So it was only kind of by chance that we decided that my wife's going to go. And this is where the deal stepped in because thank God, like, you know, she wasn't, she hadn't passed away or she wasn't that sick that we knew of that we need to call on community and friends. So my wife decided to, she needs to go, but I have, thank God, seven kids. And uh, looking after them, trying to run a Not business. Not easy. No. Not easy. No. So, we, so my wife approached them, and she spoke to Rachel Carl, who was, who was very instrumental in this whole thing, because she said to my wife that the when my sister was admitted to hospital, she gave her the prognosis and what the symptoms are, and she said, you should go. And my sister-in-law didn't want her, my sister to go because she knew it cost a lot of money, and, you know, in terms of me looking after all the kids. But then my wife decided she's going. Cut <clears throat> long story short with that, um, eventually she said, no, it was a traumatic time for us because I just lost my mother. So I found she won't go now. Maybe go later. But then her sister said, no, I think you should actually come, which was a big thing for her to say that. She arrived uh, on the Thursday and on Shabbos she passed away. Sure. Um, that was in England. Now, amazing thing about D-Link is that, you know, it doesn't matter where that, it doesn't, the fact that she wasn't here, you know, it's, Someone's sick and the family's in trouble. They're not going to say, well, you know, that's their problem. It's overseas. They, they stepped in. in. They stepped in. Yeah, and, you know, and the thing is that I'm actually getting shivers and chills now, uh, chills now because the thing is that, again, you don't want to, like, really tell people at the moment, like, what's happening. Or it's like people don't really – people got their own griefs as well and their own – they're very busy. So nothing serious is happening right now, but here I'm um, – Basically by myself with the seven kids and I've got to look after them. Um, so, you know, how, how do we, how do we join this? How do we make this happen? How do we make this work? So they, they stepped in, in a number of levels. First of all, they organized meals every night. And they, and they, not only that, they present in the most amazing ways, like to make you feel special, mm. make you feel that you cared and loved mm. for. You know, it's like he has a meal bar. The driver came, um, he was amazing and he like just, that kind of support and it rings a bell and you come in and like the smile and, and not only they bring more meals, they also brought stuff during the day, like some fruit and little cupcakes and mm. just that knowing that their support was there. Um, I've been speaking to Gabby Joseph and you know, like he phones me every day, SMS, how's it going? How are you doing? Do you need something else? They're incredible. No, no. It's, so I, I, you know, the way I see it is like, it's the, it's the Hatala of this generation. You know, Hatala was needed then. Dear Link is needed now. Mm. Because there's so many people at this moment that needs their help. Mm. Um, th- thank God, many years ago we didn't have this kind of sickness to the extent like this. You know, it's actually quite scary. Yeah. And th- and a lot of people out there they don't have to be so sick to to call on hospice and Dear Link. Um, as I said, people going through traumatic times to, to know of someone who's just got this disease and listening to it to, that they need counselling or they need some help. And th- the Dear Link is that I would say that bridge. Between sure. finding like um, kind of like just a retribution in our savior, you know, like yeah. who who because everyone as I say everyone's busy, but they like design and designated for this no, purpose. No, they fill in all those gaps. They They're filling fill all those gaps, and, and I think as I say, they will grow. They will grow over time because as I say, like Atala sort of very small, mm. you know. And look at them today. In fact, I heard that 
the overseas Atsalas came over and they saw the, the model of South Africa and they saw it was incredible and they're actually learning from, mm. from us. So I think that Deerlink will, will do the same, same. thing. Yeah. Because they're kicking in and, and again, it boils down to people who care. Michelle Goodman, you know, someone has that loss. And when people don't have that loss, they don't really understand. I didn't understand. I only lost my grandmother when I was 19. It wasn't, she was close, but not to that level. And after that, I had no deaths. Yeah. Now we've, we've gone through four in the past year and a half. Sure, what, a, what huge losses. Huge, huge losses. losses. And, and, so and sorry for you and your family. Cancer, so it's Let's take a break. Okay. We, we're going to be back. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. The DL link on 101.9 High FM where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. I'd like to just um, welcome our next guest, Dr. Stephen Gallen, who's the owner of Life Dynamics Training. He's an author, an educator, communicator and creator of the Gateway Process. Stephen, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. What is the, gate- what, what is the Gateway Process? <laughs> Gateway Process is a, um, a, 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 a process where somebody can explore who they are, how they've become that way, what's meaningful them to in life, and then design a life that's really fulfilling for themselves. Veronica, it's kind of like I asked you the question and you got to the gateway. You did the gateway process at a young age. So finding out who you are, yeah, how, absolutely. how does one do that? Well, look, I've designed a very specific process and it's taken me 30 years to put this together. So to wrap that up in a two-minute conversation and Not possible. trying to say how the I want to know who I am, Stephen. <laughs> I want to know who I am. Well, I've got a great way for you, <laughs> gateway program. Um, really what it is, it's a philosophical inquiry into who we are, and a lot of people have, have the notion that philosophy has got to do with belief systems or what beliefs are about or something of that nature. And, yes, a, an area of philosophy does deal with that. I've got a doctorate in philosophy and a master's degree in, in psychology. Another area of philosophy has got to do with values. What's good? Why is it good? How does living a good life add value to our lives? And another area of philosophy has got to do with how we know what we know. As human beings, we're all busy knowing what we know, really knowers. We know how things work and how we are, and, and but we don't have an opportunity to step back and really know how we know the things. And so, how uh, we know the things, yeah. yeah. How, yeah how, and we don't step back and we're think. All busy how do we know stuff? We, we, are. we know we know who we are, where we came from, how we were put together, and we know what life is and what money means to us and what relationship means to us. And we're all busy knowing what we know, but what are the inputs into us that? gave us that knowledge. And we don't have the opportunity to step back and really unpack for ourselves who are we, how did we become that way, and then who can we be? And really, if we could be anybody, and I have the sense that and you know, all children, I speak to children, I'm also a parenting expert, by the way, and I'm on parenting oh, programs. I wish I'd known that 10 years <laughs> ago. <right? laughs> um, when, when we're busy growing up, we're just acquiring information and knowledge and skills and, and becoming the best version that we can. And pretty much we get to a point in our life where we're, where we're competent. We're getting by. We're getting by in life. And generally I find people, you know, good enough people, good enough parents in good enough relationships, living good enough careers and, and getting by with the skill set that they've managed to acquire along their lifetime. Mm. Yet we can all recognize, I think, that there are areas in which we're not as good as other people. We can see other people are better in some areas and we lack certain skills. And at the same time, we also, I think for human beings, we, we yearn to be more than what we are. Part of being a human being is we want to go places we've never been, not only externally, but inside of ourselves, discover who we are, what we're about. And Gateway is an opportunity to explore that in a really safe, creative, deeply personal, but private way. How long does it take? It's two evenings and two days. It runs over a weekend. From oh, really? Thursday to Sunday. Yeah. Oh, so you're just asking questions. It's like you're creating a separation between what you've always thought and then looking at the thought. Yeah. It's okay. really a philosophical inquiry. Oh, wow. So it's an opportunity to really inquire, inquire deeply and sincerely and maturely into what I mean, we are. We, we've been talking, I mean, with Veronica and Eitan, and we're talking about loss and we're talking yeah. about the struggle. And, you know, Veronica was saying that you, from, from struggle you learn. Like she's learned so much from her struggle. Yes. We didn't get to that with, with Eitan. But, you know, is that something, is that, 
is that how you get through the struggle? Is it asking those kind of questions? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that a thing that when, when people struggle, when we all struggle, when we struggle, we ask ourselves different questions. We ask life different questions. We ask, you know, haven't you heard the phrase, you know, everyone's praying on a sinking ship. Mm. And that's the opportunity that mm. that trauma and difficulty and pain yeah. gives us. It gives us opportunity. And it's a painful opportunity and it's an awkward opportunity, but it seems to be the design of life that these difficult circumstances really do force us to ask ourselves different questions, to ask life different questions and to take the relationships that are meaningful to us that we often over time just get used to and complacent and take for granted or be normal. Suddenly we ask, you know, I've only got this period of time with my lover, with my wife, with my child, and what do I need to do in order to have the most meaningful, valuable relationship with them? So, yeah, absolutely, trauma does. It points us inwards as much as as much as Because we can be asking the questions, why me? Absolutely. And isn't and, that... And how do you ch- move yes. from the why me? And that's very much part of the process of grieving. Is that victim blame, anger, bargaining, they're all set processes yeah, of grieving. Yeah. And then there's acceptance. And then there's coming out the other side. And those are the way that we work through that and process that internally is asking ourselves questions and life questions and why me and why is this happening? Why my loved one? And it does seem unfair. And we have to find a meaningful way out of that for ourselves. So, Stephen, if they come along, if they come to this gateway for the two days and the two days, I mean, they're going to ask the questions. Do they, do they come out with solutions or solutions found yes. for the rest of your Look, life you're looking for the solution? This is the fascinating thing, actually. People expect that there's a recipe or solution. And all people that have grieved or been through trauma or difficulty, and even people in a marriage or with children, we know that there isn't a recipe that works for all children or a recipe that works for all marriages. And so our approach to life is we're looking for the right answer, the right system, the right recipe, the right solution. And this actually only leads us further into the problem mm, because a lot of true. life doesn't have a recipe. It doesn't yeah. have a solution. It's something that we have to be with and find a new way to be with. But with grieving, there isn't a recipe to grieving. There isn't something clever that someone can say to someone. It's a process. You can be with somebody, and that person has to work that process out for themselves. And what will work for one person just won't work for another person. Mm-hmm. So Where can people find out? Because we've got to wrap up. Yeah, Where, how do people find out about the Would you like my cell phone number? Please. Would you like my email address? Please, yeah. You can call me directly on 082 3857 And yep. that's Gateway. Absolutely. And email? And email is gateway, yep. G-A-T-E-W-A-Y, mm-hmm. at life dynamics, one word, life. L-I-F-E, dynamics, D-Y-N-A-M-I-C-S, dot coza, dot C-O-Z-A. Stephen, thank you so much. I wish we had more time to talk more about Pleasure it. Fascinating, asking these questions. Veronica, thank you so much. A ton, thank you so much. Three phenomenal guests on a really extraordinary day. For the rest of your day, may your Women's Day be meaningful. May it be relaxing. Um, and I hope that you've taken a lot out of the show today. I certainly have. From me, Nikki Seberini. Until next week, take care. Goodbye.